Growing. Growing pain. Growing. Growing pain. Growing pain. Welcome to Growing Pains. The first stages of being financially independent can be really hard. Some of us take the opportunity to find a casual job during our teenage years, but not all of us do so to thinking about the future. The allure of purchases your parents cannot or will not buy for you can sometimes be enough to want to earn your own money. But soon, especially after leaving school, it becomes apparent to most young adults that being financially independent is about more than buying the smaller things. It is also about managing your living expenses and maybe one day buying your very own home. Our guest today has had her eyes set on financial independence from a very young age, and today she supports individuals to take the right steps to enter the property market. Catherine Fasolia is the founder and director of Property Before Prada. Kath has been in the mortgage broking business for nearly two decades and is an industry expert. She has helped thousands of customers obtain home loans and to build wealth. And in that, she's helped them develop and achieve their goals. Property is her passion. Kath bought her first property at the age of 19 and over the past 23 years, she has bought, sold, developed and flipped over 20 properties. Kath runs educational masterclasses for first-home buyers and is launching a range of courses later this year in 2021 targeted to females and helping them make more informed financial decisions. With an all-female team and a second office in Albury that opened earlier this year, Kath is excited to grow the business and offer more services to help and educate more clients, in particular, helping women to become more financially savvy. Now, I will say that Kath can help pretty much anyone. So if you listen to today's episode and you think that's for me and you're not a woman, that's completely fine. Don't hesitate to contact Kath. All her details are in our show notes. She is a wealth of knowledge and may just be the key you need to own your own home. So let's have a chat and see what she has to share with us. Welcome to another episode of Growing Pains. This is our last episode of our six-part series, and today I have with me Catherine Pasolia. Catherine, well, Kath, uh, it's so, so lovely to be chatting to you today. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to have a, a chat with everyone today and, and share some of my wins and, and my losses, and yeah, thank you. No problems. Um so, to loosen you up, though I know you are a pro at this podcast thing, I know you've done many of these in your time, let's do a little bit of rapid fire. Okay. Ready? Okay. <laughs> You're like looking you at me going, me. Oh, I'm not prepared for that's this. why I don't tell anyone about rapid fires because then you'll preempt it and you look like a planner, so oh, I, I, I get it. <laughs> so, my first rapid fire question, do you consider yourself a fully grown adult? Yes. <laughs> See, it's so funny because I've had, um, I've had, you know, five other guests. Well, actually, more than five. We've done five other episodes of this, and most people say no. The two women, like you know, independent entrepreneurs type, um, have adamantly said yes, and then there's been some other women that some have said yes, some have said no. But most, most of the guys are like, God no. <laughs> so I don't know if that's a gender thing. Um, why? Why do you class yourself a fully grown adult? I don't know. I think I've gone through so much over the years 
And Mm -hmm. I've had so many different experiences that have helped me along the way and not all great experiences, but I've I've learned a lot from it. And I was thinking Mm -hmm. about it the other day about, you know, um, I've got two boys of my own and and trying to build resilience in them. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that that's probably one of my strongest qualities is Mm -hmm. resilience. And it kind of gives me that confidence that I can face anything Mm. um so yeah that's I'm I'm confident in who I am I love that that's so good so reversing that mindset a little bit what tell us about your most embarrassing adult fail it can be something as trivial as putting your keys in the fridge or it can be something more personal you are welcome to share whatever you like oh look my I don't know it's probably me um me it's in business, right? So I got nominated for this big award, right? And I was like, so I posted this, right, on Instagram as it was going live because I thought I was going to win it. Oh. <laughs> and I didn't. Ouch. <laughs> it was, I was so embarrassed. I'm like, oh my God, I thought I had this. Like, I've never then applied for another award ever. Oh, no. Paris is like, how did I not get that? And I was like, sorry. I don't don't think it was me being cocky, but I was so embarrassed. I'm like, you should see my face. It was like, here it is. And then it was like, what just Yeah, wow. not get that, you know. And so that's my most recent embarrassing. And then every day I do embarrassing stuff. That's something that highlights that everyone actually saw. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, I can imagine. But I, um, though I don't think I tried to film it, I, yeah, I've had those moments there. Oh, that, that's actually a whole nother topic, that whole like you can only really be at the top for a really short period of time. Like the peak of the mountain is there's only room for a small amount of footprints mm-hmm. on there at once. <laughs> yeah, That's a whole nother conversation. We'll move on oh, like. um, for sharing that. Um, who's a more grown-up adult that you rely on? Um, oh, definitely my husband. I wouldn't say he's grown up. He's an adult that I rely on. <laughs> Um, yeah, I definitely rely on him because he, I need him to, you know, help me with the family, you know, mm-hmm. help with the boys. I absolutely brainstorm ideas. He's great in that, you know, sales environment. And he brings a different element to, mm-hmm. you know, our conversation because, you know, I think one way and he's awesome at giving me another perspective. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's a good partnership. Sounds yeah. fantastic. Um, now, random question for you in our last questions of Rapid Fire. If you were to choose an actor or actress or whoever um, to play you in a movie, you today, mm-hmm. at your current age, and then you in your maybe 70s or 80s, who would you choose? Definitely now, Reese Witherspoon. Oh, such a good choice. Love her. That would work. I totally see it hundred percent. And what about you in your elderly years? Now I'm not great with remembering names. Yeah, I'm but not like that. yeah. She is an actress that has been in. Oh, I loved her. Oh, there's so many. I'm just now trying to think of her name. Um <laughs> she's got the red hair. She's um she's 
had movies with Jack Nicholson. Oh, and also Diane Keaton. Love her. Julie, are you thinking of like Julianne? Is it Julianne Moore? Probably Julianne Moore was probably who I was thinking of. And but then mm. Diane Keaton as well. Ah, I love it. All powerhouse women. Yeah. Great characters. Well, that's the only things I'm going to spring on you without planning because I know you're a planner. Um, you can't be in the position that you're in without being a planner. Yeah. But uh, we know that you have been a property owner for a really long time. And to be perfectly honest with you, I'm probably in a similar boat. Um, I invested quite young. I was probably about 20 when I purchased my first property as well, but you and I are a rarity. We know that. Um, So purchasing property at 19 is a pretty big deal. And I'm curious to know, because even just reflecting on my own experience, was that something you knew that you wanted? Like, were you that 10-year-old that was like, as soon as I finish school, I'm going to buy my first property? Or what what sparked that for you? I was that person. So, (laughs) yeah, totally. Yep. Um, I always thought big from a, a really young age. So I was always about... Um, building a, a business, you know, I was about working hard, buying my first car, you know, the next thing was a property for me. I was always aspiring to something and I don't know what the first motivation for that was, but in terms of property, I just fell in love with it from such a young age and it was just natural for me and I didn't there was no I didn't think about it I just did it yeah yeah so um you sound like you had work the moment you could I was the same yeah. 14 nine months that's yeah. that used to be I don't know if that's the rule now but that was definitely the rule when yeah. you and I were growing up yeah. and um hustled and did all the things and knew what it was like to be your own boss mm-hmm. um babysitting was that what you were doing at the time yeah yeah Yeah, so that that independence and and freedom of spending as well but what did you like there's there's a really big leap between making money as a babysitter to purchasing property at 19 like that that's in itself is even if we just do the basic math on that that's a a leap Mm. and a commitment but what did you find to be the biggest challenges in reaching that first goal of purchasing property at 19? I guess for me, it was just not having the information that we've mm-hmm. got available to us now. Yeah. And at 19... There was no internet. Yeah, well, there was, but it was pretty crap. It was, and it wasn't readily available. So mm-hmm. it was, and brokers weren't even considered back then. It was, you go to the bank. And mm-hmm. I went to the bank. And I was very naive I didn't ask nearly as as much questions as I should have. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not prepared. And yeah. it's an intimidating environment when you're sitting in the banker's office and mm-hmm. you're basically begging for a loan. Yeah, pretty much. And that's what it was like. So back then... There was nothing available. There was no mentor. There was no guide. Mm. All I had were my parents who helped me in terms of, you know, information. They certainly didn't help me with a deposit. 
You know, they were, I think growing up, they were my inspiration. I saw what mum and dad did with property in terms of renovating and selling and making money out of it. Mm -hmm. That's where I first got that love and that passion from. And I just wanted to do it the moment that I could because it was so much fun. Yeah. Uh, We just, I just had no idea. So did you find that in that traditional setting, like as I said, I feel like we're probably of a similar age, so we were probably having that experience of going to the bank and whatever else. Did you find that the banks were looking at you kind of going, who's this kid and why are we going to give them money? Did you have to go to more than one bank? I didn't at the time. However, there was a lot of scrutiny. And remembering back then, there were no benefits to, you know, first home buyers. First home buyers grant around back then? Absolutely no. okay, right. not. And wow. you had to pay mortgage insurance or mm, you had yeah. to have a larger deposit. There was no such thing as a 95% loan back then. <laughs> you saved yeah. 20%. So yeah. I saved a 20% deposit. Wow. But remembering, it's all relative. Like my first property was, you know, under $200,000. Yeah. Yeah, it's relative to like, you know, the difference between that and Mm -hmm. what would now be your family home to house all four of you. And, yeah, it's very, very different. I completely understand that Mm. investment and especially your first investment. It's to get into the market. Mm. So we often hear, and you will well and truly know of this myth, it may not be a myth actually, um, but we hear that it's incredibly hard for people to get into the market, not only for young people, like we're talking specifically to young people at the moment and their growing pains of becoming young adults, but I know people in their 30s that don't own property that are still Mm. scratching their heads at how they're going to do that. Mm. Um, Do you think it's actually true that it's hard to get into the market or is that just a myth that people believe because that's what the news tells us? I don't actually think it's a myth. I think, you know, there's a mindset around Mm can I get into the market or it's just too difficult? And I think when you're going through this process, you actually have to make sacrifices. Like Mm -hmm. getting into the market, you do have to stop your spending. You can't live the life that you've lived Mm -hmm. and spend what you're spending and expect to get a loan from the bank. So whilst property prices have absolutely escalated since I first bought my property, I've got to say that, number one, you know, I had to have a big deposit. I didn't have the first homeowner's grant. There are so many grants available right now to help young or old get into the market, and that is no stamp duty. You've got the first home loan deposit scheme, which, you know, takes out that mortgage insurance cost. You've got Mm -hmm. different building grants available now. You know, yes, they're price capped at different points, but maybe people need to walk before they run. Don't put your, you know, your emphasis on that big property. Start small and maybe invest first. Get an investment property that's maybe not not what you want to live in long term, but at least it's actually investing. And, you know, there's a lot of, I think there's, you know, you need to surround yourself, get yourself professional advice. I mean, we helped a, a lady the other day and and it was actually um, she came to us saying, oh, she's probably about three years off, but she wants mm. the plan. After we'd gone through a, um, 
a, a discovery session with her, we mm. said, what, what's stopping you from doing it now? Because yeah, you can. And you know what? She just didn't know. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like I think be it if you are 17, 18, about to leave school, starting to think of those bigger um, goals because some, as you and I have well and truly demonstrated, there are some out there that are already thinking that big at that age or if you are someone else who is you know, starting to explore those financial goals that you have set for yourself and you think that it might be three years from now or whatever else, it's so true because sometimes we can surprise ourselves at how quickly we can reach those goals. But it's about commitment. As you said, it's a mindset and commitment piece. So if um, one of our previous episodes on on growing pains was with Johnny DeFrancesco from Grady and we talked about food and we talked about how expensive smashed avocado is and I know smashed avocado and discussions of property often go hand in hand in the news or in the media whether like people, you know, we see middle-aged white men tell young people that they should eat less cafe brunches to make property purchases but we know that it's a bit more complicated than that there's a few more things that they may need to sacrifice Um, but it's not in vain the sacrifices to reach the goal and with the right support and the right mentors and the right people kind of with the ear to the ground of what the latest grant is and whatever else it it sounds like it's well and truly possible so it's difficult but there's a path oh look it is difficult but so, you know, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it and everyone would be, you know, building, you know, big property portfolios. But, you know, you've you've got to get yourself into a situation and go, look, I'm going to commit to this and whatever your financial goal is. And it doesn't mean that, you know, you have to buy a property. Mm. But looking at the way that you spend your money and being aware and just know that if you do want to achieve some of these financial goals in your life, whether it is a share portfolio or a property portfolio or build your wealth or be comfortable in retirement or whatever it may be, you do need to make some sacrifices and put some hurt in yourself. Yeah, because that's the thing. Like sacrifice isn't something that's easy. It's no walk in the park. You have to give something up to get the thing Um Anyway, like be it you give up your morning sleep in to go for the run to get you ready for the marathon. Like it's not, um, it doesn't have to be financial, but, you know, sacrificing goals are right across the board. Mm. So you've broken down a few myths for us already. What other myths out there exist in your industry or in the property space that you can demystify for us? Look, I honestly think, you know, it's interesting. I have clients come to me with all different things that they've heard for their friends or family or you can do this or you do that. or And it's like, guys, just step back and actually speak to a professional. <laughs> yeah. Like don't take advice from your mates that did it one way because their financial circumstances could be very, very different. Mm-hmm. And we get a lot of this and it's kind of stripping it back and going, you're an individual person with your own individual needs. What mm-hmm. is good for you is not going to be good for somebody else. There is so many ways that we can help and so many options out there to help you get into the market. And you've just got to reach out to the professionals. And that's probably the biggest thing that I suggest is get yourself educated and in front of the right people to give you that right advice 
That's yeah. probably the biggest thing. And you don't need a 20% deposit. You know, you can get in with a much less deposit. We've even got the single parent um, grant that's out here, the family guarantee, 2% to get oh, wow. into the market, a 2% deposit. Now, there's all sorts of ways that we can help people. And I think it's just understanding where you sit, you know, and, mm. and get your numbers. I think I'm all about the numbers. Understanding the numbers is your first thing. And then mm-hmm. you can start to build and plan and, and see how those numbers fit in with your goals. Yeah. You've got yeah. to understand that first. Yeah, and I think that that understanding the numbers piece really goes back to that sacrifice piece we just talked about. It's like you can't sacrifice something you don't have. So if you're not earning X amount of money but you're aiming for a goal, then it may not be about sacrifice. It may be about building. So going for that promotion because you know that you're going to earn X amount of money, which is going to give you that additional financial stability and guarantee. Um, Don't get me wrong, if you're spending all your money on ridiculous things like Uber Eats and things that you could sacrifice, then great. But it's also when you look at the numbers, because the numbers don't lie, then you can well and truly make those educated decisions with the guidance of services like yourself. Um, any other myths out there? Like what about the market as a whole? Because like, I, you know, you live in Melbourne, yep. don't you? Yeah. So we both live in Melbourne. Property market's a bit nutty in Melbourne at the moment. COVID has made that 10 times more nutty. Um, where personally for me, um, we're about to put our property on the market because our agent is like, do it now and you'll make all the monies. And it's doing it wrong. That's really exciting. Mm-hmm. But considering we only purchased our property in the last two years and seeing what the difference is between what we bought it for and what we most likely will sell it for, that to me blows my mind. Now I know once again we're talking about a home for a family versus a, a one bedroom or a studio apartment as an investment. Is it as crazy as we think it is? What are you seeing out there? Look, and it may be different interstate as well. Oh, and absolutely it is. And and I I guess I do have my, you know, ear close to the ground. Obviously it's the industry that I'm in. Hmm. Yes, it's crazy. So in terms of uh, suburbia, you know, hmm. outside of the CBD, prices are so hot. Um, in a city, Melbourne, apartments have struggled, you know, since COVID hit because we don't have that huge influx of immigration and the students and so forth, yeah. you know, studying. Yeah. So that's been, that's certainly been hit. Um, with anything to do with property, I always make sure that I go and seek out the right advice from mm-hmm. property experts and they're advising me what's happening. Of course, I can see what my clients are going through and it has been a very frustrating time for my clients who who are trying to purchase a property and, you know, it's going way over quoting range at auction and that's really upsetting and frustrating when the market is moving so quick um, and it really, you know, it makes it so difficult to, to get in that certain price point. Um, mm. And I'm finding that I'm readjusting pre-approvals for clients at the moment because they've gone in at a certain level and it's it's not getting. A year ago, it would have bought them that particular property. So I think mm-hmm. it's about being able to understand how much you can go up to. And, mm-hmm. you know, what we do is get a pre-approval for a client with that limit as long as, you know, they can service 
the loan and they can budget properly and aim for that and, you know, then you're not having to readjust your thinking through the whole process because it, it's yeah. an emotional roller coaster. It's oh, like, yeah, like when you find that house you you really want, like you yes. see yourself living there and you're pre-approved and whatever else and then you go to that auction and it sells for something ridiculous outside of your pre-approval, that's yeah. heartbreaking. It, yeah. yeah, and we're finding a lot of that at the moment. And, look, who knows what will happen in the future. Like I don't have a crystal ball. Um, <laughs> rates are fabulous. So rates yeah. are so cheap. 2%, under 2% for fixed. So right now in our market, it's actually cheaper to own than mm-hmm. rent. That's wow. fact. With, yeah. And look, that's general, please. That's general. Yeah, okay. you know, a generalization. We do need to clarify that everything we're talking about is yeah. general yeah. and we're using examples yeah. and you definitely need to get financial advice. Please don't go get a loan based on this no. very casual chat we're having. No. Um, you can contact Kath and yeah. get some numbers yeah. analysed. But, yeah, yeah, very general information. It's so general. <laughs> but, and that's a generalised comment. Like we, what we're dealing with at the moment is, you know, people can go, well, look, that's less than the rent that I'm paying. So it's fabulous. It's a really good mm-hmm. opportunity that if you've got a good deposit, you can get in. If you don't yeah. have a good deposit, there's still great opportunities. But it's actually making the commitment and preparation, Caroline, is the key. You need to be prepared. And and that's probably the biggest thing now is you need to start between three and six months out from applying for a loan. You need to understand where you're spending and tidy yourself up and really go through a financial detox because mm-hmm. the bank looks at your spending. And you can't now just you know, tomorrow decide to apply for a loan. Like you need to, as you mentioned before, cut out the Uber Eats, stop the afterpay, you know. Mm. Oh, yeah, afterpay. Yes. I can't even, I like I come from a, I don't know if it's just the mindset thing, but when I heard that afterpay was, I've, I've actually never owned a credit card, um, which is one of those, we. I'm one of those really weird people. I just have never been, other than mortgages, I've never been comfortable using money that isn't mine. Um, and don't get me wrong, that's not great for credit rating. <laughs> credit, credit ratings, they like you to have debt because that's mm-hmm. just how it works. But mm-hmm. um, when Afterpay started, I was like, this is going to destroy people's financial stability and credit ratings. Um, yeah, no Afterpay, no Uber Eats, occasional smash dabbo, make it at home. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's the obvious one. And everyone knows what the obvious ones are because they're all those – almost in-the-moment delights that we have. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, it's just being aware. It doesn't mean that you've got to stop it. It just means yeah. just think before you spend. Yeah. And, you know, and, and that's part of what we do is is help people just to prepare and go, well, look, do you really need that credit card limit? Maybe let's reduce it a bit, you know, um, and just be aware of where your money goes. Make sure your accounts aren't overdrawn. Show the mm. bank that you're not living from month to month. Are you putting away money? You know, so there's a whole range of things that you can get yourself credit ready to present yeah. yourself to the bank. And it may be that, you know, you don't want to buy a property. You want to put money away. Well, you know, take 20% of what you earn and put it into an investment or put it into shares or put it into a savings account. Just do yeah. something that is going to help build your wealth or build your financial stability. Yeah. 
Now, um, for those of you who are listening that are like, oh, that's exactly what I need. I need help with this or I don't really know where to start. And every time I decide I'm going to you know, save 20% or whatever else, so they then have bills that come in and I, like, I, I feel like I'm behind the eight ball. Um, Kat's Business Property Before Prada, which in itself, that name, if you don't quite know what you're getting yourself into, the name in itself will tell you property before Prada, if Prada's your thing, might be before Uber Eats, <laughs> who knows. But um, we will make sure that all the cat's details are in the show notes. If, if your ears are pricking up and, and you're noticing that um, you're starting to take some notes or you, you want to have a chat, then we'll make that nice and easy for you. Now, there will be people listening who property just isn't on the radar. They might be young adults. They might not be young adults, but they know that some of the guidelines that you've recommended or just some of the ideas you've recommended could be the steps that they need to take financial independence. So financial independence in the sense of what you did in your early, um, your late teens and early 20s, are there particular things to be, is it just, is the first point just knowing what you spend and, and where do they take it from there to start building that independence? Yeah, I look. I just winged it basically. Where I was, you know, <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing, and I yep. fumbled. Like, and you don't need to now. Like these days, you don't need to fumble. Access to really good financial advice is available for free on so many different mediums. I think what people need to do is connect with that business or that person or that financial planner that you most feel comfortable with and start following some really good healthy financial advice. I know that there are some great women in financial planning that a lot of my clients follow and they can get great free tips on budgeting on different apps to use um, and and really start to help put together a budget and and yeah. really and podcasts like what we're on today there is yeah there's of, so much out there isn't there and it's fantastic Amazing. that it's for free that you don't yeah, need definitely. to pay for a financial planner and you might say look I want to set myself a goal a thousand dollars and then I'm going to invest it well you find mm-hmm. and you connect with that financial planner that that is speaking to you and go great I'm going to do this and maybe mm. just start small. Don't start big. Set some really small targets and chip away and work at that. It might be just like $1,000. This is my plan, $1,000. Once I reach it, I'm going to pop that into shares or whatever yeah. it may be. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I think that that's such a good point because there is so much and not even on just on this topic, any topic. Mm. You can YouTube and Google and podcast and website search anything and you will find something. Now, don't get me wrong. Not everything's going to be great. Not all the advice out there is the right advice. And it's similar to what Kath was saying just a moment ago about the different circumstances. So what the advice that may resonate for your neighbor may not be the right advice for you and may not be the right guide for your initial budgeting or whatever else, but have a listen. Um, Do your research and you know, we're not talking about something that's not important. We're talking about money and that's the thing that pays our bills and it's the thing that takes us on our holidays and it's the thing that keeps us functioning in our society. So, yeah, definitely great 
and super easy steps forward. Now, there will be some listeners out there who have tuned in specifically because they're like, yep, I want to enter the property market. You have already shared with us that you need to at least be kind of three to six months out. Um, So what are the steps, be it if you, so the first step from what I'm hearing from you, if you're six months out is to start cleaning up um, and getting good advice. If you're closer to the five, six month mark, you've, you've actively been doing the right thing and you've been saving and cleaning things up and, and you think you're ready. What, how does, how would someone approach a business like yours and what, what, what comes next? Mm. Normally, we will guide someone from the three to six mark, get them mm-hmm. cleaned up and get them in a position that come that that deadline, we're ready to actually lodge their loan for mm-hmm. a pre-approval. Now, when they come to us and they might not have even started cleaning up anything, mm-hmm. they or they might be in a position where, yeah, they think that they're ready to actually go to the bank. What we do is actually go through and give them the numbers. How much can they borrow? What do they need to save? What are their monthly repayments? Mm. So we work out those key things Mm. and collectively they're doing a financial detox. They understand that once they're ready, this is the purchase price, this is the loan amount, this is my savings, these are my monthly repayments, they are all over it. They know their numbers. That's number one. And that's when we take it back and go, right, you know your numbers, you've cleaned your finances up, you're looking good for the bank. Now let's drill down what bank is going to be the best for your particular circumstances. That's the next step. And that's when we take them and get them a Mm pre-approval. And um, for people out there that don't quite understand this concept of a broker, um, we've used a broker, uh, so I understand what you're saying. Um, So that is the service that you provide. So this... This example does not require said individual to go and meet with five banks because am I right in saying that you do that on their behalf? Correct. And, you know, we've got 60-odd lenders on our panel. So Yeah, wow. Yeah. And I don't think people realise that there are 60-odd, probably more, organisations that they can borrow money from. Oh, I don't think a lot of people know that, but we have access. And it's, again, it's, there's so many different needs out there that there generally is finance for anyone. Um, mm. And our job as a broker, we are very highly regulated. Similar, yeah. we're, we're going in a similar vein as financial planners. We are mm-hmm. obligated by best interest duty to give our clients three different options as a minimum. And mm-hmm. as part of the organisation that I work under, which is Loan Market, we need to give our clients five different loan options. So gone are the days where brokers, and this is something that I didn't do, but I do hear a lot about, is when a broker just says, that's going to be your best loan. That's That yeah. doesn't cut the mustard any longer. Yeah. You know, it's drilling down. And, and sometimes I do need to say to customers, my obligation is to give you five different loan options. However, your circumstances are so unique. 
I can give you one or I can give you two. But that Mm -hmm. needs to be documented in everything that I do to show the government, to show ASIC that I understand my clients' needs. So it is quite an in-depth job that we now have to do just to prove why we're making some recommendations. And I guess what's brilliant about that is not only um, for someone who, and I didn't even think this is an age thing. I, you, we could put a, a 19-year-old in front of you and we could put a 49-year-old in front of you, but this information is not something that people have in their brains. They, unless you work in the industry and considering how quickly things can move and change with grants and opportunities and rules and whatever, um, this is very much why people like yourself exist because it's a tricky system to navigate and a loan isn't for a year it's for a really long time so you want to get it as close to right as possible and even then we've got refinancing and all of that other stuff once you're kind of in the system which is something that we could probably have a whole nother podcast on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but thank you for explaining that because I think it's really important for as I said, anyone who isn't in the market and in that space as yet to at least get a bit of a taste of what um, what some of those uh, steps look like. Wow. Thank you. That was so much like really, really practical information. And, and to be honest, um, I wish there was someone like you around when I was purchasing my first property. It was just daunting. And I remember that actually I remember the first time I before I was probably about a year before I actually put, purchased a property, I remember the first bank I sat in front of in my naive 18-year-old self was like, we're not giving you a loan. Like, are you mad? You're 18. Like, what? Yeah, you've got a full-time job, but who cares? Like, they they almost, one, made me feel really uncomfortable and two, I, it almost felt like they were laughing at me. Like, you've got to be kidding me. Um, and even then, like, I had the determination and, and the will and the the you know options to sacrifice where I needed to but um yeah it is great that there's people like you just almost going in for the kill without poor little us who are saving our pennies having to do that hard work um is there anything else before we start to wrap up I am curious to know what would you um how do you speak to your children? Um, so your kids are obviously younger than young adult stage, but how do you talk to your kids about money when it comes to things like this? They are, We're really open about money. It's something mm-hmm. that, um, you know, because, I look, I'm surrounded by it and, you know, I think my kids are really privileged with what they've got and I don't think that they actually understand what they have. And that's mm-hmm. probably the biggest thing now is, you um, you know, my husband and I, we don't come from wealth. Everything that we've done, we've built ourselves. And, you know, our our children have a blessed life. They get a lot of things and they actually don't, absolutely do not understand how good they've got it. And there's actually, it is quite difficult to really instill in them that, it is a privilege to go to certain schools. It is yep. not everyone has this life, you know. Yeah. Um, we've worked really hard for it mm-hmm. and, you know, and having those real conversations and trying to get them to understand that 
you know, daddy didn't have this. Daddy had to get a scholarship and catch two buses, a train and walk three hours a day to get to his school. Yeah. Yeah. You You don't have that, you know. You get to go to a great school and we drop you off and life is great. Not every child has this. And, you know, I think that's the hardest part as parents is reminding our children to be grateful and it's really difficult when they're born into a not cushy little life. Yeah. You know. That you've worked really hard to create for them but but nonetheless it's a privilege. Absolutely. But it's trying to keep them grounded and keeping it real so that they understand and they know how hard I work, you know. Yeah. Rafi, my youngest, will go, Mummy, please, you've worked all day. Like they get it. They see us working so hard. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it is a mission and it's an ongoing thing that it's we're always navigating to use the right language around them so that they know it's not easy and you do have to work and you do have to make sacrifices. That's the biggest thing that we're, you know, every day we're navigating. Yeah. No, but that's a really good point because regardless of what position you're in, um, there will be uh, people out there whose parents can assist them with their deposit. There will be, or not even parents, just anyone in their lives that may have the funding. There may be people out there that have some kind of inheritance that they can put towards property, Um, but there could be that person that's working the four jobs that is putting themselves through university, that is hustling as hard as they can hustle to ensure that they, in the next five years, will have that deposit that they feel that they're comfortable with and also the the earnings to um, service the mortgage moving forward and maintain a lifestyle and all of the other bits and pieces. And, um, yeah, it, I agree with you. It is – I have – we don't we've worked as hard as we have to create the lives that we want for ourselves but also the lives we want for our families but therefore they're born into these lives that they haven't quite had to work too hard to have um i've just told my kids that they can't which is actually not tr- like which is actually true i'm not i'm not making this up to sound mean i've told my kids that they can't have their inheritance till they're 30 so they ha- know what it's like to actually work for all the things um yeah, there's nothing but there's nothing I think you've you've especially with children that are born and and like you know I was never given anything neither yeah. was my husband it's like we have to work really hard for this and and unfortunately that's the downside when you you you're able to provide so much more for your children than what we were able to be given you know they they you can see that they're losing that you know that burn inside of your stomach that it drives you it yeah, motivates it you because if you don't do it, no one else is no going to do it. <laughs> so true. So true. So in reflecting on that then, I'm curious with our um, my last question for today, uh, what piece of advice would you give to your 18-year-old self? You sound like uh, you, you were super determined, um, but knowing all you know now, what would you say to your 18-year-old self? Just how important investing actually is like it is so important and I don't think I fully understood back then how those financial decisions would play out and benefit me later in life so that's probably the biggest thing it's just never underestimating that 
Yeah. Well, that that in itself is brilliant. I think you've very much, re- like there's some people that reflect on their 18-year-old selves and say different things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it does sound like you are on the right track. You just maybe needed a bit more understanding which would have come if we you're in a different time where podcasts existed. Any help, you know. <laughs> Any help would have been great. <laughs> uh, well, Kath, thank you so much for everything you've shared with us today. Um, I'm sure regardless of the age and the life stage of our listeners, they will well and truly have benefit, benefited from the knowledge that you've shared with us. As I mentioned to our listeners, if you would like to connect with Kath, um, if you would like to engage with her from a business capacity or just connect with her and follow some of the great things that she shares on social media, um, we'll have all of her details in the show notes. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, And to our listeners, this is, yes, the formal last episode of Season 1 of Growing Pains. Um, We will chat to you again soon as we come back for Season 2. So there you have it, the last episode of the six-part series of Growing Pains. I don't know about you, but I learned a lot from Kath in this episode. I be, you know, even for me, someone who has been in the property market for quite some time, there was still so much information that she shared with us today. And yeah, I will well and truly be taking some mental notes um, for the next time I head into that space of purchasing property. For you, if you have found that today's episode has kind of sparked some interest for you or you'd like to start thinking further on how you can gain that financial independence, do that financial cleanup and potentially buy your first or maybe second or third property, then definitely check out Kath and her business property before Prada. All of her details are in our show notes. To our listeners as a whole, I really want to say thank you for joining us on this journey that has been the six-part series of Growing Pains. This is our first season and we can't wait to get started on season two as it's been so much fun creating this for you and we well and truly want to do more of this in the future. Thank you again for being a part of this community and if you do know someone that would love to have a listen or that you just think might benefit from some of the information that we've shared with you, be sure to share our details. Make sure you've subscribed so you don't miss out on future seasons. And um, yeah, follow us on socials at Organise Curate Design so you can see what's coming up for us as a team and definitely for the podcast. That is all from me. Thank you again. I'm Caroline Bruni and this has been Growing Pains.